Well, that's awesome. There's like five people excited to see me today. That was great. No, 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 I don't need that now. I know who my five are. I recognize the voice. And all that mattered was Pastor Lee was one of them. So I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Man. So uh, how was Christmas? Did you guys have a good one? Awesome. We had, a, we had a good one too. And just uh, especially over the holiday, you just have time to uh, reflect. And uh, just really, really thankful. Uh, speak on behalf of uh, my family, my wife and I and our kids uh, we're so thankful and just humbled to be able to be with you here at the Durant campus and to live life with you and to serve you. And uh, you guys are just awesome. I love you very much. Uh, thanks for being eager to seek out the things of God and being here as we close out the 2019 year and going into 2020. Who wants to go into 2020 strong this year? I want to go into 2020 strong. And uh, if you're anything like me, uh, at the end of a year, uh, I always like to just in my heart, it's between me and the Lord. Just do a little reflection of the year. And uh, I really like to focus on uh, all the good that's happened in the year. Uh, 2019, seen some amazing things uh, for my family and I. Just some answer to prayer and uh, some really, really cool things that God's done in our lives this, this 2020 year. And I know of so many victories uh, through being connected to you guys, of things that God's done and ways that God's shown up. And we celebrate the Lord for that. We celebrate the breakthroughs. We celebrate the answered prayer. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, when God invades our world and shows up and turn, totally turns the tides uh, in our favor. I love to see that, see that happen. And you know, one of the things that uh, I appreciated during a very short season of my life, uh, when I got to be more of a, of a guest speaker, and kind of just go different places is uh, part of the way I'm wired is I like being able to just show up in a place, kind of throw a Holy Ghost grenade into the middle of everything and then leave. And that's really fun because that's no lot, you know, there's no real, uh, you have to get close to the mess. You know, you can make the mess and then you can, you can leave. And uh, so the Lord, of course, saw it fit for me to be uh, planted here as the campus pastor and to walk out messes and lives alongside people. And I think that's, that's fun. But uh, one of the things that, that you find is that, you know, especially when you're more of just guest speaking places, you get to be there for the healing service. You get to be there for the prophetic night. You get to be there and see God move and you get to come back with all these testimonies. And one of the things that I found about pastoring people is that it's not just good that happens in people's lives. Uh, 2019, I'm sure, brought you some incredible victories. And I know there's many things, many wins that we can celebrate that God did in our hearts and in our lives this year. Uh, but if we're being honest, 2019, for many of us, brought some significant losses too. Uh, brought some significant pain, uh, hurt, uh, disappointment, uh, discouragement. Uh, for some of us, just a deep level of, of sorrow. And I think part of the way that we end a year well and we set ourselves up for success going into a new year is being able to not just give time and attention to the things that went right, but to look with the right perspective on the things that went wrong. Um, I know, especially in a charismatic community, and Pastor Gavin alluded to that during the trans transitions, yes, we are a charismatic community of people. We're charismatic Christians. And all that means is that we believe the things that went on in the Gospels that Jesus did when he walked uh, the shores of Galilee and the things that we see in the book of Acts, 
that the followers of Jesus, now infilled with the Holy Spirit, did, we believe that all those same things can still happen today. Uh, that's all that that means, to be a charismatic community. But one of the things I know that happens in charismatic community oftentimes is we know how to celebrate the successes and the victories, but we don't really know what to do when things don't go according to plan. Uh, and I think it's important for us to close out this year by giving adequate time and attention to the things in 2019 that didn't go the way that we planned for them to go. I want to talk this morning to people in the room that are hurting today. I want to talk to people in the room that experienced loss. I want to talk to people in the room this morning that are scratching their head, not necessarily raising their hand to testify of what God's done, but are right in the middle of some confusing times and challenging questions. I want to be able to talk today also to people in the room that maybe you are not in the middle of a trying or difficult time. Maybe you didn't experience a loss this year or a setback. Or maybe you're not experiencing pain or confusion. But I guarantee you this, you're only about two people away from being connected to somebody that is. And my goal, my hope for this morning is to be able to bring some comfort and to partner with the Holy Spirit to bring encouragement to those of you that are still reeling and experiencing the throbbing reality of what 2019 brought you and your family. But I also want to speak to those in the room that are connected to people that are hurting and give you some language and hopefully give you some revelation by means of the Holy Spirit who is the great teacher to be able to share now into the lives of people that you're connected to that desperately need God's healing touch and experience the embrace of the Father. So to do that today, I'm going to do that through a talk uh, that I've entitled Strength for the Day, for today, excuse me, and Hope for Tomorrow. And there's four things that I believe the Lord has taught me and showed me during my time in living with Him and working with Him. Four things that I believe that we need whenever we go through hard times. I want to share those four things under this title of strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And before we get started, I just want to pray. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you through your son, Jesus, the Christ, you've given us access to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the great comforter. And that there are things that have happened this year that have been hurtful, to many people in the room today. There are things that have happened this year that are causing people in the room today to be in the middle of a fight. Some of us, a fight for our very life. Lord, I pray today that we would be uplifted. I pray today that we would be encouraged, would be strengthened, and Father, that we would leave here today fully convinced that you are good and you are at work in every area of our life. We love you. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Four things I want to talk to you about this morning in regards to what we need when we're going through hard times. The first thing that I think that we need whenever we're facing difficult situations and hard times, when we're facing painful realities, especially whenever we've experienced loss. It could be loss of a loved one could be the ending of a marriage or a significant relationship in your life. Uh, it could be the ending of a career abruptly, suddenly. Uh, it could be a financial loss, significant, that sets you back 
and you're feeling the confusion and the pain of all those things, I think it's important for us as the people of God to remember that we need to view our life through an eternal perspective. When I talk about seeing life, and particularly our lives, through an eternal perspective, kind of a, a word picture that I would give to give an illustration of what I mean by that is seeing eternally is kind of like looking at a pond next to the ocean. How many of you know that the pond and the ocean are two bodies of water? Can I get a witness this morning that there's one of those that's infinitely wider and deeper than the other? Uh, such is the case with your life, the pond, on the scale of eternity or this eternal life. And if we really wanted to get the model to scale, we'd have to take like a millionth of a drop of the water in the pond and compare it to the depth of the ocean. Uh, so it's not a to scale picture. But I can be honest with you today that even though this life is temporary, all the feelings, all the hurts, all the pains, all the confusions, all the setbacks are very real and they're very personal. And we're so close to our lives in this temporary time and season that we're living in that all those things are unavoidable. We can't close our eyes and just hope that it goes away. We can't just grin and bear it every day. I'm being honest with you this morning that whenever we lose in life, whenever we lose a job or we lose a loved one or we lose a relationship, that hurts. And I want to give you permission today as a pastor in your life that it's okay if you're crying at the end of 2019. It's okay to cry. Now, Christians, and particularly us charismatics, we have a hard time with some of those things. And uh, I like the way that one of the leading theologians of our time, uh, he's, he's passed now, but a man by the name of Henry Nouwen, beautiful follower of Jesus, he said it this way, we tend to stay away from mourning and dancing, too afraid to cry, too shy to dance. We become narrow-minded complainers, avoiding pain, but at the same time, true human joy. We live in a world subject to evil. While we live in a world subject to evil, we belong to God. So let us mourn and let us dance. I'd like to tell you at the end of 2019, if you're mourning, it's okay to mourn. And if you're dancing, it's okay to dance. Some of you have experienced tremendous victories. It's caused to dance. Some of you are in the middle of terrible defeats and setbacks. It's okay. And an eternal perspective tells us, in accordance with what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, that if in Christ, how many of you believe that you're in Christ this morning? If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, as it says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's important for us to know and understand that what's real right now isn't always real eternally. And the hope that we have in Christ is not just for this life. And it's okay if you're crying at the end of 2019 because an eternal perspective will tell you that every tear is an invitation for his touch. We have an eternal promise out of the book of Revelation that there is a day coming. It's not today. But we have a hope for tomorrow. There's a day coming where the Lord personally will wipe away every tear from your face. It's okay to cry at the end of 2019 if you've gone through a season of pain, a season of hurt, because every honest tear that you shed 
is a place that the Lord honestly wants to touch your life. Eternal perspective is to understand that we don't have a hope for just just this life only. I think sometimes in a charismatic community, it's very easy for us to get emphasis, put place an emphasis on and to get focused on kingdom now. How many of you are thankful for God's kingdom being a present reality now? So thankful for that. We pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we do. We're a house of faith. We believe that when a negative diagnosis comes from a doctor or there's strain in a relationship or we've got an issue with our finances, we believe that God's will is to prosper us, to heal us, to bless us. We don't believe that things that come to kill, steal, and destroy have God's fingerprints on them. They don't. It's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But am I the only Christian, or do I have others in the room that agree with me, that even though I'm in Christ, I've had some things stolen, killed, and destroyed in my life? It's okay to be honest about that, because the honesty that we have when we admit those struggles those persecutions, those trials, those setbacks have to be seen through the lens of an eternity. There's a day coming, beloved, when we'll stand face to face with Jesus and the current throbbing pain that you have today will be a distant memory. The Lord will wipe away every tear from your face. And as a charismatic church community, it's important that we can't throw away kingdom come just for the sake of kingdom now. Sorrow, pain, loss opens up a depth of hunger for the things that only heaven can satisfy. Sorrow, pain, death, loss, tragedy, defeat are things that God doesn't thrust upon us, but they're things that if we'll learn to relate to them properly, they deepen the fervor And they stoke the fire of the prayer that should be on all of our lips. A centuries old prayer from the church, which is this. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. You and I should be craving the day of the Lord's appearing. We should be craving the day when death is finally defeated. Sickness is destroyed. War and poverty are abolished. And in the meantime, we live as prophetic messengers seeing glimpses of that heavenly reality invade this present reality. Feel it's important I spend just a moment here to talk about the significance of miracles and living in an environment where we see the miraculous often. Never take that for granted. To be a part of a church where we actually believe in the resurrection power of Jesus, to see miracles take place in our midst, it's a beautiful thing. But here's what you have to know about miracles. Here's what you have to know about supernatural intervention. Miracles aren't things that come because God just sees a group of people that have prayed all the right things, danced the right dances, cried enough tears, and the Lord says, okay, you earned it, a miracle. Miracles aren't things that come just to prop up our lives or to make our lives a little bit more bearable. Miracles are acts of God's grace. They do come out of his love and his compassion for us. But here's the thing. Miracles are not exclusive to us. And what I mean by that is this. Any miraculous sign that we see God do in our midst, any breakthrough is not just for us. It's for the world. 
God uses miracles to be able to give prophetic messages to the world of a kingdom that is coming. The miracle in itself is not the totality of the kingdom. It's a signpost that points to the king and his kingdom that's coming. The miracle that takes place in one small camp or sect of the church is not the totality of the kingdom. The kingdom isn't whole without it, but it's not the whole kingdom. It's a portion of the kingdom being released in a moment in time. But that miracle, the curing of that disease, the restoration of that marriage, the return of that prodigal child is a prophetic signpost that shows the world that there is an age that's beyond this age that is coming and you need to be ready for it. There's a time coming when the Lord will bust the sky open from the east to the west with the unveiling of his glory and in that day, death will be abolished. Today's not that day and that's okay. There's a day coming where sickness will be no more. For many of you that have felt the sting of sickness this year, today's not that day and it's okay to cry. Because every tear is an invitation for God's touch. Sorrow and pain and loss in this present age doesn't give us permission to cower in fear. In fact, to tell you the truth, I can tell you that for me, it's a non-negotiable that I would rather live in faith than die in doubt. We're gonna continue to be a people of faith in 2020. We're gonna continue to be a people of faith for however long the grace is on us to do what God's called us to do. But here's what you have to know, that faith is connected to a hope and that hope does not have an expiration date of this temporary life. The hope is connected to the eternal promises and securities of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is this. Whoever you've buried this year, if they're in Christ... They're alive. (laughs) Whoever you've buried in sickness this year, if they're in Christ, they're healed. They're whole. Whatever loss and brokenness in your life, whatever breakdown in your marriage or in your business, things aren't right today. But we have a hope that they will be right forever. We have to live with an eternal perspective if we're going to be able to navigate hard times well. My last Side point connected to this is I want to encourage you all to live with an understanding of the unmatched beauty that comes with being able to give God something in this life that you won't be able to give him in the next life. And that's a sacrifice of praise. There's something about your worship on this side of heaven that's beautiful, that's sacred, And that is unique. How many of you know the day when you and I stand face to face with the Lord and there's no more hardship, there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more war or rumor of war, no more pain, no more suffering, that will be cause for rejoicing. That will be cause for great praise. But I can tell you this, there's something beautiful about praise that we release in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of hardship, because it's the only time on this time span of eternity that you'll be able to praise God this way, which is right now. Don't miss the opportunity to release the unmatched beauty of a sacrifice of praise. I give God something now that I won't be able to give him then. And I delight in it and I say, truly, the Lord is good. 
Second point this morning is this. If you're walking through hard times, you need to doubt your doubts. You need to doubt your doubts. Any doubt in our life is really just coming from an unanswered question. And I'm of the opinion that Christians don't need to be afraid of people with doubts. They don't need to be afraid of their own doubt. And they don't need to be afraid of difficult questions. And I know that's the case because we're supposed to be following Jesus and Jesus isn't afraid of those things either. But here's the thing that you need to know is that there's a difference in asking God a question and questioning God. God's too good for you to put on trial. You're never gonna win. But God is too good to not answer a legitimate question that you might have about some pain and suffering that you're experiencing. What I love about this concept of doubting our doubts is it really is based upon what we're giving attention to. Something I learned from a father in the faith to me and a man that's worthy of honor in this house, double honor, Pastor Lee Armstrong. And him and his wife, Ginger, are pillars of this house. People that have walked out in faith and obedience. And I count it honor and privilege to get to partner with Lee in ministry. One of the things that he's taught me is this regarding this concept of doubting your doubts, and it's this you should never allow yourself to start questioning what you know because of what you don't know. Whenever we're in the middle of doubts, whenever we're in the middle of times and seasons when something hard has gone on and we don't understand why. And it's that question why, really if we want to get down to it, that question why I've seen cause more people to fall out of deep intimacy with the Lord than any other thing. It's not because the word why is evil. It's because once again, there's a difference between questioning God and putting it on trial and just asking a question. It's important whenever doubts start coming that we doubt the doubt and we align align ourselves back to the things that we believe Whenever things don't go according to plan, whenever we face trials and adversity and loss and pain, those are the times when we really find out what we believe about God. Nothing exposes what we really believe about God than like whenever we're walking through a trial. Doubting our doubts is this thing that we do in our life when we're walking through hard times when I make a decision to realign myself to what the non-negotiables are in my life. I don't understand why this situation went the way it did. I don't understand why I was praying and believing and it didn't happen the way I thought it should. But I've got to make a decision in this moment to center myself around some non-negotiable, some things I don't change my mind about. And I can tell you one of those for me, and it's this. God is always good. My circumstances are not always good. I'm definitely not always good. I love you. Some of you just really love me and I love that you love me it's because you don't live with me okay I am not always good and good news is you're not either you don't have me fooled okay but just because my circumstances are not always good and just because I'm not always good I have a non-negotiable belief in my life that my goodness and my circumstances goodness have no ability to infiltrate or influence God's goodness God is always good. Doubt your doubts. Find out what you really believe about God in the midst of your present trial and know this, 
that whether prosperity smiles or adversity frowns, it's our job to make sure that his praise is always in our mouth. Number three thing that I think we need to be able to navigate hard times, and it's this. We need to remember that we, I, we, I don't exist for myself. We don't exist for ourselves. The way I like to explain this is is this statement. Don't allow disappointment or discouragement. Now, I'm not talking about the disappointment or the discouragement that's akin to like going to McDonald's and really having a craving for the McRib and finding out it's not there anymore. That's not the disappointment I'm talking about. I'm talking about legitimate disappointment. Who has legitimately been disappointed before? Legitimately been discouraged. Look, revival's breaking out. People are being honest. This is amazing. Really discouraged, really disappointed. Here's what I mean by remember that you don't exist for yourself. You can't allow disappointment or discouragement to give you permission or give you an excuse to live in a way that you wouldn't if everything was going the way you wanted. Okay, I know it's a little long of a quote. It's not as sticky as I would like it to be. Not as slick. I'm still working on it. But let me tell it to you one more time. Never allow disappointment or discouragement, especially if you're the source of the pain. Never allow disappointment and discourage. Maybe 2019 was a huge moral failure on your part. You've got nobody to blame but yourself. Listen to me. Don't allow disappointment or discouragement to give you permission to live a way that you wouldn't if everything was going the way that you wanted. The reason being is people are counting on you. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, the lives that are connected to your life are desiring you to be the best that you can possibly be. We don't exist for ourselves. I think it's important for us to know and understand that we've got two things that really can allow us to get into a permission to be selfish or self-centered. One of those is when everything in our life is going great. When we're on the mountaintop and everything is going fantastic, we really do pay little thought to anybody down in the valley. We just thank God we're not there. We see people, it stinks to be you, right? It's kind of the thought process. Right, if we're being honest. In our flesh, that's what we think. But the same thing is true on the opposite end of the spectrum. People allow themselves. Now, you gotta have some pastoral DNA to say what I'm about to say. Okay, if you need some, I can impart it to you through laying on of hands, minimal fee. But here's the thing that you need to know. (laughs) What I'm about to say, some of you should never say to anybody because you'll get punched in the face if you say it. Okay, so let me say it (laughs) for you. All right, gotta have some pastoral DNA. Gotta have some diplomatic ability to you. Right, all right. Some okay. Anyway, so here's here's the thing. The same way that everything going great for you can cause you to be selfish and self-centered, everything going wrong for you, if you're not careful will let you have permission to be selfish and self-centered as well. And here's what you need to know. The fastest way to be able to get up from rock bottom is finding somebody else to lend a hand to. Okay? You can't allow yourself to be so absorbed in your hurt that you forget that there's hurting people around you still. Now, let me be straight. If you're smack dab in the middle of tremendous pain, all right. There's a healing process that has to take place. Sometimes you do have to just sit for a moment before you start reaching out. But the goal is to start reaching out again. 
And this is what I want to tell you. When you're in that place of just being totally broken, and I don't know, you might be here today, and 2019 has left you broken, and you're at a place of not having the emotional or even physical strength to reach out to anybody else, then now I want to give a charge to the people that are strong in the room today. And this comes to us out of Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul, not somebody who I like to argue with, by the way. We who are strong have an obligation. That's strong language. Let me just tell you something. In our culture, we don't like that language. (laughs) Obligation. Okay, first of all, we're Americans. We don't like that. Obligation. Okay, it's a... Anyway, you have to go around the world and know what I'm talking about. We who are strong, have, we don't like anybody telling us what to do. That's what makes us American. We don't like anybody telling us what to do. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. What do you think would change about our lives? What would change about our, the church as a whole? Let's talk about the global church. If we all just really figured out that we don't exist to please ourselves. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have Hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may be one voice, that you with one voice may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you that are totally broken today, you need a time to sit and to rest. But for those of you that are strong, you have an obligation not to show up in somebody's life that's hurting and pull out the preaching card. Let me tell you this. We need a lot less people that preach at other people and we need a lot more people that learn how to posture themselves like Jesus when they're next to a hurting person. What I love about hurting people is people that have questions. That's all it is, is questions and doubts. And one of the key doubters, (laughs) I don't know how uh, Thomas feels about being like the key symbolism of of doubting in the Bible. I will say this, that uh, Thomas, the apostle, was actually the first missionary to India and he was martyred for his faith. So you need to remember him for that, not just for doubting. Uh, We call him doubting Thomas all the time. But Thomas is there and maybe you've been in this situation. Thomas is in a room with the fellow disciples and Jesus has revealed himself to all of them except for Thomas. And Thomas is there and he's saying, I'm not gonna believe it until I see it. How many of you have been in that place? of trying to figure out why God's encountering everybody except you? You ever been in a service and your friend's talking about, oh, just the weight of God's glory was so strong. I just felt the pulsating power of Jesus going through me and I had this happen and this happen and you're saying, man, I just tried not to fall asleep. (laughs) Now, I know that would never happen when I'm preaching, but here's the thing that, that I want to encourage you with today, that it's okay to be the one that doesn't seem like they're connecting It's okay to be the one that has some questions about why God didn't show up like that or why God isn't showing up right here in this situation. And this is what I love about Jesus and what sometimes is disheartening by us, his followers, 
is that Jesus never shows up in the life of a doubting person the way that sometimes we do. See, we show up in the life of a doubting person, of a hurt person, and because it's uncomfortable for us, we just try to make them uncomfortable by preaching at them. What I love about Jesus showing up with Thomas is that Jesus didn't show up and say, Thomas, man up. You've been with me for three and a half years. You saw me heal the sick, raise the dead. Where's your faith at, son? Don't you remember the faithfulness of God? Don't you remember what he's done? No, no, right now all I can deal with is my pain. Right now all I'm dealing with is this question. But Jesus has enough kingdom confidence and enough assurance in God's love and faithfulness that Jesus just shows up in the room and all he does is this. What would happen in the lives of people that are hurting if when you showed up, all that you did was this? Not this, but this. Thomas has got some hard questions. I won't believe it until I see it. Sounds good what you're saying, but I've got my doubts. I've been rejected before. Maybe Thomas dealt with his parents making promises that they didn't keep. Maybe Thomas dealt with a broken relationship. We don't know. But whatever in it with Thomas that was making it hard for him to trust Jesus, Jesus showed up into that situation, not with a rebuke, not with good preaching, not with a retelling of all of the things that Yahweh did for Israel. He showed up with a hand, a wounded hand, which is a secret, a spiritual secret. It's the people that have been wounded the deepest that actually make the best healers because they know what it's like to feel pain. So Jesus shows up, not with a pointed, gnarled finger, but with an open, nail-gnarled hand. He said, Thomas, is this what you need? Go ahead and touch that there. You said you wouldn't believe him unless you put your hand in my side. Go ahead. And they looked at Thomas eye to eye, and I believe with a smile on his face, because contrary to popular belief, God actually is in a good mood. And he smiled and he said, don't doubt, believe. Church, I believe there's people that are hurting in this body. I believe there's people that are hurting outside the doors today and they need something worth believing in. Us trying to preach them happy isn't worth believing in. But us posturing ourselves like Jesus in a moment to be vulnerable, to say, hey, I've got some scars too. Man, that really sucks. Sometimes the best thing a Christian can say is, that really sucks. And to say, you know what? I'm not gonna tell you what to do. You know what? How about we walk through this together? How about an invitation to inclusion instead of an invitation to self-help? Do it this way. How about instead of just giving advice, we give people somebody to lean on? I got good news for you today if you're hurting. I believe that there's people in this room that will show up like Jesus to you. There's good people in this house. But above all that, you need to see by the eyes of the Spirit today that in the midst of your pain, the Lord is extending his nail-scarred hand to you. And the eternal perspective is this. Because of Jesus' resurrection, here's what you need to know. The worst thing is never the last thing. Because of the extension of that nail-scarred hand, you see evidence of what was, but not what is right now. Yes, it left a mark. Yes, there's things in your life that have left a mark, 
like the way those nails have left a mark on Jesus. But the good news is, because he's not nailed there anymore, you don't have to be either. And this, brothers and sisters, is cause for great hope. And the last thing I think that we've got to have that we need to walk through hard times is we need to learn how to loose our hope, not lose hope. And what do I mean by that? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says this. Familiar passage, I believe, for most of you, a favorite passage of mine. It says this out of the English Standard Version. Hope deferred. Everybody say deferred. Makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Beautiful words. If you're anything like me, I used to read that passage, and when I thought about hope deferred making the heart sick, what I thought that meant was my heart gets sick whenever God doesn't show up like I want him to. Hope deferred means when I don't get what I'm believing for, and it doesn't come to pass the way that I think it should, that's what makes me heart sick expecting something to happen and then being let down. That's what, cause, that's what causes heart sickness. Anybody else read that verse that way or have read that verse that way? Okay, I have. And the Lord told me one day to look up the word deferred. So I did. Got a dictionary, looked it up. The word deferred means to put off or to wait until this and this and this happens. Not doing right now, but doing it later. And when you look up the word deferred, that word in the Hebrew, it's actually means, it actually means to draw back. Like exactly what you do whenever you put an arrow in a bow and you draw it back to shoot it. Hope deferred, you living hope deferred in your life looks like you walking around like this. Do you know what kind of stress this puts on your body and your mind? And your soul to walk around like this all day? The freedom is in the release. It's in the loosing of your hope. I'm here to tell you today that we do this because of the pain that we've been through. We do this because I got my hopes up once before and God didn't come through. So I don't really know if I can trust and let go of this again. I don't know if I can believe because of that relationship that hurt me. I don't know if I can trust another person again. I don't know if I can really put myself out there. I don't know if I really can take that stand of faith. I don't know really if I can take this next step that God's leading me to and start that business. I don't know if I'll love again. I don't know if I'll feel this way again. I don't know if I'll ever get over that. So what we do is, is we hold this. And you know what that does? Causes your heart to be sick. The stress of that kind of pain is killing your heart. I believe not just metaphorically, but physically. If you're going through hard times, I wanna tell you something today. Keep shooting. Keep loosing your hope. We do this by living every day more convinced of the beauty of tomorrow than of the difficulty of today. Loosing our hope means that we live more convinced of the beauty of tomorrow than we do of the difficulty of today. And the reason we can lose this hope is because this hope is not an ethereal thing. This hope is not an ambiguous thing. This hope isn't something that we have to go track down and buy, and they don't have it at this store, so we have to drive across town. They don't have it there. We gotta drive down to Texas. We gotta do the ceremonial cleansing when we come back to Oklahoma. All those kinds of things. 
that happened. That's not what I'm talking about. This hope that we have is so very close to us because you and I both know that the hope that we're supposed to be losing is connected to the faith that we have, not with a thing or an object, but with the person through whom all the eternal perspective comes. Our hope is connected. It's this anchor for our souls that's actually connected to the one who wipes every tear away, the one that releases faith over us in the times of our doubt, the one that moves us with compassion to reach out to people that have gone through similar hard times and situations. We can lose our hope, beloved, because we have a constant supply because our hope is the person of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you by means of his Holy Spirit. The hope of all glory is alive on the inside of you, which means you will never run out of arrows. It's your job to keep shooting. What's one of the most powerful things I believe that you can do Going into 2020, loose an arrow of hope into your future. Loose an arrow of hope right into the middle of the giant that's before you. Loose an arrow of hope into the circumstance with your family. Loose an arrow of hope by having an eternal perspective, doubting your doubts, giving a hand to somebody in need. Loose a hope into your finances for next year. Loose hope because truly, truly, I say to you again, you have an unlimited supply. So I say to you today, by the authority in the name of the Lord Jesus, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I may abound in this blessed hope. Father, we pray today as we end this time together that we would allow this hope to rise on the inside of us knowing that the night does not last forever, that dawn is coming, that there's tears in the night but joy in the morning. We allow ourselves to cry knowing that every honest tear is a place that you will honestly touch. We allow ourselves to dance, to celebrate your goodness and who you are. No circumstance we face changes who you are. You are forever and always good, and you love your children. We thank you, Lord, for helping us finish this year well so that we can enter into the next one strong, Help us to be people that live lives of hope. Thank you for giving us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord praise this morning? Hallelujah.